0: Good morning to all of you. I greet you in Jesus' name. It is a blessing to be together here in this way. We're meeting in Jesus' name and we're saved by Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, our Savior, our Lord. And we're redeemed ones together. And that's a blessing as well. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter twenty two, Luke chapter twenty two. Rich referred to the, uh, to the scripture that's on the board here, for this hour that he came. This also uh, refers to the hour, beginning in verse 14, Luke 22. And when the hour was come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him, and he said unto them, And he took bread and gave thanks and brake it and gave unto them, saying, This is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. Our communion service is a time of remembering, remembering Jesus, the anointed one, the Messiah, and how he came to earth, how he offered himself, gave his life on the cross. And it is the reasonable worship of the redeemed to remember in a close and spiritual fellowship With God, reflecting on redemption, thinking about the fact that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's a wonderful, wonderful thing to remember uh, always, and especially in. Our communion services. I'd like to consider a couple of other memorable rememberings that the Bible uh, talks about in the course of recorded history. And the first is in the Garden of Eden, the first communion that man had with God, Adam and Eve and God in the garden. And there was an openness. There was no sin, no guilt. There were no barriers between them, between Adam and Eve, between Adam and Eve and God. All was joy and bliss and light. It was, it was perfect. God made it so. It was Eden which literally means pleasure, delight. The word paradise comes from the Greek form that was for this, uh, the Greek word that was used in the Septuagint. Adam and Eve knew the creator and they had communion with their creator. But in the garden there also lurked the serpent. And we know the story very well one repeated here, and there followed the fall of man, and that opened to Adam and Eve a whole new new realm of knowledge and experience, things that they had never known, things awful and ugly. Now they knew guilt, they knew despair, they knew distress and misery, they knew condemnation, And most awful of all, a fear that they had never felt before of facing God. And they covered themselves and they hid. And that evening they heard God walking through the garden. (laughs) Their hearts must have been pounding as they crouched in hiding Or however they were hiding. Where are you, Adam? Came the call of God. There was no escaping God. What a dreadful. What a distressing. And what a sad time that was for Adam and Eve. What a sad time it was for God. The loss of Eden. Driven out. The loss of communion with God. They didn't have that anymore. So what did they remember? They must have thought often about the garden and how it used to be, remembering Eden, the garden of God. And they must surely have mourned and wept for what they lost. It was a heart-rending grief, a, a very sad memory. there was a a note of hope, a promise that sometime there would be a deliverer. In Genesis 3.15, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. It's kind of short on the details, but it was a promise of a deliverer. Somebody who would conquer the serpent They needed to remember the promise of God, but that loss of Eden was a fresh and very painful, agonizing memory to them. They would never forget that loss. We don't know how much was passed on and how it was passed on, but surely they told Abel and Cain what it was like in the garden with God. They must have told their grandchildren, even great-grandchildren, how it used to be. Adam was still living when Noah's father Lamech was born. But the memory grew dim in the general population and only two, Adam and Eve, had actually experienced the communion of Eden. But it was a communion lost to them. If we go forward in time about 2,500 years, the children of Israel were in the wilderness and they had experienced deliverance from Egypt by the mighty hand of God. But it, it had not made them holy. They were far from holy, they were still a stubborn and sinful people. They had learned evil practices in Egypt. And they were easily influenced by by their sinful neighbors. They didn't leave their sinfulness behind in Egypt. God had Moses institute a special day in the early fall. Leviticus 16 describes the procedures that were to be followed. The confession of sins... The sacrifices for the high priest and for the people. The sprinkling of blood for the sanctifying of the altar and the tabernacle and the holy place. In Leviticus 16, beginning at verse 29, it says this, And it shall be a statute to you forever that in the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you shall afflict yourselves and shall do no work, either the native or the stranger who sojourns among you. For on this day shall atonement be made for you to cleanse you. You shall be clean before the Lord from all your sins. It is a Sabbath of solemn rest to you, and you shall afflict yourselves. It is a statute forever. Every year they were to do this. Every year. Every year. An annual event. A statute forever till it be fulfilled. And it forced them to remember something. It forced them to remember something about themselves. We are sinners. I am a sinner. There was was no getting away from it. Hebrews 10, the first four verses. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have for then would they not have ceased to be offered, because that the worshippers once purged should have no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. And in verse 11, and every priest standeth daily ministering and offering, oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. They were commanded to sacrifice for the atonement of sins. It was a covering. It pointed forward to the Redeemer but it didn't take away the guilt, and it left them powerless to forsake their sins. So every year at the Day of Atonement, they were reminded, I'm a sinner. I'm a wretched sinner. There was gratitude, there was worship, genuine worship, and there were some shining examples of faith and of a life uh, before the Lord, Enoch and Abraham and Moses and David. The early Solomon. But the Day of Atonement left a certain bleakness about it, a longing for something better. And it pointed toward something better. Then, about 1500 years later, Jesus came. The Savior came, the promised Savior. <laughs> But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son made of a woman under the law to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. And so we read, he took bread and gave thanks, that is Jesus, and break it and gave unto them saying, this is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after supper saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you. really something quite astounding and completely undeserved that Christ in his love and his mercy sacrificed himself so that we could be here today redeemed. He gave his life a ransom, the shepherd for the sheep. For the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give His life a ransom for many. In reading the uh, crucifixion story several times this past week, I was impressed by something. Uh, There were... There were the disciples who were standing close by and from afar that were watching with dread what was unfolding before their eyes. But there were many mockers. Matthew 27 mentions the mockers. And those who passed by blasphemed Him, wagging their heads and saying, You who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself if you're the Son of God. Come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests also mocking with the scribes and elders said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he is the King of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let God deliver him now if he will have him, for he he said, I am the Son of God. And Luke 23, it says, the soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And in verse 39, then one of the criminals who were hanged, blasphemed him saying, if you are the Christ, save yourself and us. And there was something that was, that was common to each of those groups. The passers-by, the Jewish leaders, the chief priests and scribes and elders, the soldiers, the thieves, they all were saying, save yourself. Save yourself. Laughing, you can't save yourself. You can't come down from the cross. If you could, if you would, we would believe you. But save yourself. And we'll accept that as evidence. I'd say it wasn't likely that they would have believed had He come down from the cross. They saw the miracles. They knew about the miracles. The blind that saw. The deaf that heard. The thousands fed. The dead brought to life. And many, many more. And they're saying, save yourself. But He didn't come to save Himself. He came to save. To save us. And so he gave his life a ransom for our redemption. And because of that shed blood, there can be forgiveness. Psalm 103, 10 through 12 says this. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Hebrews 8:12 For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. It says that in other places in the scripture as well. Their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. Forgiveness, cleansing through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. We remember He forgets. He forgives. Oh, the peace that passes understanding to be forgiven. What Adam and Eve wouldn't have given to have experienced that. How blessed we are to remember the Redeemer this morning to be forgiven. By his death, he also made possible to us life by his death and resurrection. Galatians 2.20 I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. There is a spiritual life that comes into the heart of a believer. We must be believers. We must surrender ourselves to him. There is a life that comes with faith in Christ. There is a victory that is possible through faith in Christ. 1 John 5 and verse 4, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. And we're very familiar with Romans 8. The first four verses I'll I'll read. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. <clears throat> we need to have faith that to experience God's forgiveness through Christ. We need faith to experience the life in Christ. It is possible because a redeemer, the redeemer that we're remembering this morning and worshiping came to earth and offered his life that we could be cleansed, that we could be restored, that we could have a new life, a different life. Through Christ's coming and His offering, we have a, a hope. Adam and Eve had a hope. We have a greater, a clearer hope. Titus 3, beginning in verse 4, But after that the kindness and love of God, our Savior toward man, appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us by the washing of regeneration, the renewing of the Holy Ghost, which He shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by His grace we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. how blessed, how privileged we are. And, you know, a a communion service should never be a time of only remembering, only thinking about the details of Christ's suffering and death. But it should be a response, it must be a response to be an acceptable worship, a response toward toward God. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So as as we commemorate his death and as we partake of the emblems, we respond with love and with commitment with surrender to him it's toward god it affects our relationship with one another as well i'd like to read yet from uh, philippians the second chapter the first Eight verses, and I'll read from the New King James here. Philippians 2, beginning at verse 1. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond, bond servant, and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross." We worship the Lord Jesus this morning who, and we love Him. We adore Him. We kneel before Him and worship Him. We surrender ourselves to Him. We are yours. We live for Him. We desire to please Him. We want to be like Him. And when we love the Lord, we love each other. And it makes a communion service a precious time. So as we remember the Savior, we love each other. And as we uh, watch one another uh, going forward or to partake of the emblems, we're grateful that brother, that sister is among the redeemed. And we love them. We're going forward together we're going together toward Christ as a, as a brotherhood and toward heaven. God is here. God is here this morning. And I've been touched with the songs and the opening and the, the uh, things that we've thought about here this morning. And I trust you have as well. And I, I pray that that uh, our hearts would and our lives would be full of love for God and for each other and that our time together here will strengthen the church and bring glory to Christ the Savior. Shall we have Let's see? We'll turn it over to Sonny.